0: The love of God, let the music play. Okay. <laughs> this is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. 132 to 97. The Raptors lose game six of the first round against the Philadelphia 76ers. They are out of the playoffs now. And damn. That sucks, man. It, it really does suck. And to see it happen, unceremonious, would be the, the first term that comes to mind is. The, the 76ers made an adjustment, and that adjustment was superpowered with uh, the, I would say, resurgence of James Harden, a little bit more pop from from Joel Embiid in particular, and the absence of Fred VanVleet, which allowed the 76ers to gear up way more on Pascal than they ever had earlier in the series. It allowed them to garner much better results out of zone, which also was the case in Game 5. And the Raptors, the shot making outside of Pascal Siakam basically was not where it well shot making and advantage creation for teammates just was not where it needed to be. And they ended up scoring 97 in this game. They gave a lot of transition opportunities to the 76ers and the 76ers for what it's worth getting as much as they did out of Harden, you know, that 22 points, 15 assists, almost 60% from the four that is the death knell for the Raptors. That's what puts them in a place where they can no longer compete with those actions. And you know, Gary Trent Jr. definitely had he had a good enough series for the most part. Defensively, he he got it was a really really bad defensive game for him. He he struggled immensely in this one. And the 76ers went through the trouble to hunt him, make sure that he was involved in the screening action so that be it Harden or Embiid something was going to trigger, you know, a response that Gary was going to be on one of those two guys and he was going to be in trouble. And they didn't want Scotty or Pascal or Precious or anybody like that or OG, right, guarding one of Embiid or one of Harden. And that matchup at the very start of the game is where the Raptors started to lose this one. And that's not really Gary's fault. I mean, Gary had a poor defensive game, but if Harden's going to turn back the clock, Gary Trent Jr. is not really the guy who's going to be able to stop him. And they did work to scram switch him out of those switches with Embiid in the post. But that's just dictating that the Raptors have to go to more movement, more rotation and stuff like that. And it left gaps for guys like Harden to attack. And then the 15 assists just getting downhill, finding guys like Danny Green, 4 of 7 from downtown. Tyrese Maxey, 5 of 12. Uh, Tobias Harris, 3 of 8. George Niang, 2 of 3. Like, they, they made 16 triples in this game. And they outscored the Raptors by a sizable amount, I believe. Uh, 24 points from behind the three-point line. And the Raptors, you know, they shot 20% from three. We We're talking about, hey, Harden's getting downhill. They run this action. And, uh, you know, he just passes out. And then they hit a three. The Raptors on the other end. Pascal Siakam, as we talked about after game five, running a lot more pick and roll. They started running more pick and roll in this game, but then they started blitzing it. In fact, they started doubling it just to get the ball out of his hands. And whether it was Gary or OG, who have a little bit more ball handling responsibility, those guys were run off the line, put into spaces where they didn't feel super comfortable shooting, and they didn't hit a lot of their spot-up shots either. OG, one for four. Gary Trent ended up finishing two for six from three, right? And Scotty, two for seven. Another guy who the ball filtered to when Pascal was getting rid of the double. Uh, he took seven threes, 20 shots overall. He was the guy that most of the, the possessions filtered into. And the 76ers didn't respect the jump shot. They were totally okay with the ball, finding his hands. And Scotty, a rookie who has shown out in this series, deserves a lot of love, didn't have what it took to punish the 76ers as a whole in this game to get the Raptors to the next one. Now, basically, like Pascal, honestly, outside of if he would have hit he was 0 for 4 from 3. It would have been nice if he hit 3s. His offensive process, where he got to on the floor, the attention he commanded, 24-7-7-3, and, and I think only only 3 turnovers as well. He was he was as good as he needed to be, but the Raptors as a whole were just far too limited offensively in this one. That means they missed more shots. The 76ers would get more runouts. Embiid gets better position down the court. It's, uh, you know, compounding errors, right? These things stack on top of each other until the the environment you play defense and offense in becomes untenable, inhospitable. And the Raptors, they just didn't have enough juice. The 76ers came out and they were the better team, which finally, you know, the, the 76ers, like game three, probably weren't the better team. Game one and two, they were playing the Raptors where the Raptors just didn't look that great. And they they weren't playing their style, really. They couldn't turn it over. They couldn't get you know, offensive rebounds. But now the 76ers, they play a version of the Raptors that had really leaned into their identity, especially without Fred, this long ball, uh, you know, adaptation of basketball. And the 76ers just beat it. Harden played 42 in this game, you know. They, they made the adjustment to go to zone. They loaded up on Siakam and filtered the ball elsewhere after Siakam just was mind-numbingly fantastic in the first half. He had like 18, 5, and 3. Really good shooting percentage. Chris Boucher's first half as well. I mean, he was just awesome. If they were beating the zone without Siakam, it was because Boucher was making such a hard cut from the baseline against it. The offensive rebounding. He finished with twenty five and ten. He took ten free throws. He just an insatiable uh, game from him. He was he was absolutely phenomenal. But you know, it was Embiid. It was Harden. It was Maxi. It was Harris. It was Danny Green it just it was too much. The Raptors got hit by a tidal wave of really great players in this game who played really good games. 33 and 10 for Joel, 19 and 11 for Tobias, 22 6 and 15 for Harden, 25 3 and 8 for Maxi. That's you just you can't compete not with that, not with the Raptors losing Fred and even with a healthy Fred, this version of the 76ers would have been really tough to beat, but they played a really great team tonight and they did not win. And that's their season, man. That's their season. It's uh we in this game we didn't get the fight to the bitter end. But considering they brought it to game six after being down 3-0, losing their all-star guard at the very start of the series, losing their rookie of the year, they came back into it, man. The game ended with a whimper, but as far as I'm concerned, the season ended with a bang. What a what a way to fight back into this series. Extremely impressive. To to oblige those performances from those future Hall of Famers like Embiid, Harden, and this, this burgeoning star in Tyrese Maxey. And a throwback game from Danny Green as well. And Tobias Harris was also just so solid. Really, really good. It's You lost to the better team. And the Raptors made their adjustments. And the 76ers, they had to find it for one game. They, they attacked Gary Trent Jr., They attacked Scotty Barnes. In particular, those two guys, they found a lot of advantage from that point. And on the other end, the Raptors couldn't find a ton. Pascal, roadblocked by doubles and extra attention. OG, Gary, not really able to get to the... to get to the spots they want to. And if they are, they're feeling crowded. They're not able to playmake out of those situations. And those are the limitations. And that's that's the game. That's the series. I... I don't know how much farther I can go in on this very thing. This was, this was a blowout, and blowout games typically have a lot less meat on the bones as far as analysis. And this one was really, really simplistic. Pascal and Boucher played their hearts out and did so at a really impressive clip and guys like Gary and Scotty, they played their hearts out too, but some of the shot making, some of the defense wasn't there for them. So the the performance is a little bit less impressive, but You know those guys left it on the floor. Scotty left it on the floor. Gary left it on the floor. They did their best. You know, Precious, really, really tough game for him. Uh, Shooting-wise, decision-making-wise, wasn't his best defensive showing either. You know, after getting so many games in a row where he was just sterling as far as giving the Raptors an extra bit of punch on offense and just so much defensively, it didn't come through in this one. The Raptors were banking on several to use the term again, burgeoning things happening. Like they had to they had to bet on improvement from some players. Some of the young guys had to show out in ways that maybe you didn't expect. And this is what young teams bank on all the time is for their young guys to find their presence on the stage. And Scotty came out in the series and did it. In a game like this, he wasn't able to impress his will on the series, but he still kept getting after it. He took a lot of jumpers. It wasn't exactly his game, but he kept trying. That's why it wasn't the best, but he he did his thing. And and Gary Trent Jr. got to his spots on the floor, hit enough shots offensively. Considering how much he's paid, what's asked of him regularly? He, He was fine, man. He couldn't create for the offense when they loaded up on Pascal. Has anybody ever expected Gary Trent Jr. to suddenly start, you know, Creating for everybody else out of the pick and roll and getting downhill into his spots. No, he's a gunner. He comes in. He saves some possessions. He spaces the floor for others. And OG, a really tough game where he couldn't find the space to to create for himself or others. Felt squeezed and uh, felt claustrophobic a little bit. Them's the breaks, man. Thaddeus Young, just brilliant playmaking, decent defense. I was pretty impressed with his play, but he didn't score. But it's not like he was bad. It's The Raptors were limited in this game. And especially after the 76ers took away a lot of the incentive for, they just wanted to get the ball out of Pascal's hands. And that's why I thought it was kind of funny is this inversion of, it was the end of the first half and the 76ers doubled Pascal 40 feet away from the basket to get the ball out of his hands. And I thought about how the Raptors had played Harden so many years before or for so many years, Right they doubled the moment he crossed half court to get the ball out of his hands. And in this series, they got back into it by making sure that they hardly ever double, just make him beat you straight up. And mind you, he didn't do it in the same way that he might've done it in the past. They had to screen screen, get the matchup that they wanted for him to get there. But to see that the 76ers had to do that, to blitz the pick and rolls to double sometimes to switch to blitz, right? It's, to do that, to get the ball to Siakam's hands, as the Raptors are finally struggling to hold Harden in isolation, I thought was poetic in a way. That Reggie Evans Award, I got to say, big shout-out to Esfandiar Fandiar who is a terrific NBA uh, content creator for the score. But he finally, you know, I've been doing this podcast for so long and trying to get it out of the shadow of William Liu, right? The the and because William Lou went to Yahoo and started doing this podcast basically just over there, so I couldn't do the typical Raptors Republic stuff. I had to change the tone. I had to change what it sounds like. I had to differentiate, you know. And so the Gerald Henderson Award, the three stars, I didn't do any of that. And so I made the Reggie Evans Award. And finally, it's taken this long. I finally saw somebody mention it on Twitter, and S Fandiar S said Chris Boucher early Reggie Evans Award winner. Finally, I've been waiting for this because the Gerald Henderson Award proliferated on Twitter. Boy, did it ever. I've just been waiting for the Reggie Evans Award to catch on. So yeah, thank you for that. That's Chris Boucher, though. It couldn't possibly be anybody else. And a throwback of some sorts, this award doesn't come out unless somebody's particularly villainous, but the Mitchell Robinson Award, because the first reaction podcast I ever did, Mitchell Robinson did some... Weird, dirty stuff, and it was a, a dirty shot on Kyle Lowry. And so the Mitchell Robinson Award was born, and that is to the most villainous player on the other team. I typically don't bring this out, but Joel Embiid loves to be the villain. He is the villain. Absolutely is. He's He got away with a couple cheap shots, you know, the extra physical after the whistle on Pascal, He's when he's kind of throwing himself around trying to draw fouls because you know he does get fouled, but he's he's kind of throwing his body around he, he does run into people, he's been physical and in an antagonizing way quite a few times in the series and he's you know sh- yelling at the crowd, shut the f up F you I know sorry if if you wanted me to swear there for to add punch, I'm sorry uh you know I'm, I can't do it on the podcast, not like that. <laughs> So anyway, but yeah, cursing out the crowd. Cheap shots here and there. It is a player who there's definitely foul baiting in his game, which obviously upsets the opposing team. And then he brought back the airplane after a dunk. Game three, 2019, Eastern Conference semifinals. He does a windmill dunk on the Toronto Raptors. He does the airplane afterwards. He's showboating. He's front running. Yes. And... He ended up losing that series, and a, a very famous, you know, the Raptors obviously went on to win the, the championship, which was terrific. A very famous meme came out of it, Joel Embiid crying afterwards, and Marcus Saul consoled him, and, you know, it's he was an incredible player who got beat in the playoffs, and he brought back the airplane, man. Villain. Just an absolute villain. And on the broadcast, Jack Armstrong was talking about respectability and all that kind of stuff, and Absolutely. I understand that if Joel Embiid wants to be the guy who other teams are like, I respect that player, you know, you tip my cap. He would not do these things. But the thing about Joel Embiid is that he does not want uh, hats tipped his way. He wants you to hate him. He wants to ruin your day. And my God, you know, he's (laughs) he's such a yeah, man, he's a villain. He is such a villain, and he played that role tremendously. He played it to a tune in this one, and that's, that's how you build that legacy. He wanted the villain legacy. Degum, he got it, man. Joel Embiid, Mitchell Robinson Award winner. Top quick reaction comment from Moderate Observer, quote, Raptors are the only team in the NBA who didn't start a player over 30 in these playoffs. Lots of room for growth. The front office needs to balance the roster out with some shooters, though. Allow Pascal and Scotty to pull the doubles and help and create good looks for everyone. Offense needs some more flair for next season. The defense is trending up. End quote. That's you're bang on. That that's pretty much what I talked about in the super short form of what happened in this game, right? You just well, not with Scotty, but I see you're obviously projecting Scotty into the future as a guy who will pull doubles because he will, he's going to be in the lab this summer. He's going to be in spot. He's going to come back way better. That, that kid is a killer. Scotty is Scotty's going to be, nobody's going to want to mess with him for many, many years. He's going to be fantastic. And yeah, I'm glad everybody, I came on this podcast early and I came in the quick reactions and the columns early on in this season. I remember seeing the the conception of the fan base was that, Pascal was kind of crowding Scotty's progression. I said, of course, that's not true. And as the season went on, I think people realized that that was the case. And I'm very happy to see that everybody sees them as a duo going forward rather than opposing forces and, you know, choose the younger one, the one with the higher potential. It's like, no, Scotty Barnes is going to be an all-NBA player, hopefully in his rookie contract. And that's who Pascal is now. Pascal was. Perfection to close this series. The last three games of the series, he was so damn good, and that's the guy you want to pair a young player with. For he's under contract for a while. Pascal can mentor Scotty. He's Scotty's favorite player, and uh you know they they clearly have a great synergy on the court together. It was the the bad aspects of the Raptors' offense were exacerbated in this one, obviously because of the 76ers, There's no Fred out there. Gary and OG aren't really. Pulling up, they're not feeling comfortable. They can't skirt their defensive attention enough to to shake loose. You're gonna see the the side effects and precious that you are making bad decisions, not shooting well, that kind of stuff. It it's it's bad. But those two going forward, I'm so glad you included them, Pascal and Scotty. That's Pascal drove so much of what made the Raptors good this season and in the postseason, and and Scotty will do so into the future. I. I'm really looking forward to those guys together next season. I think they're going to be so much fun. A lot of high low stuff should be awesome. Thanks for tuning in everybody. Uh, I I don't really want to do a, to eulogize this season. I'll have a podcast where I will do that. Um, Probably I haven't asked Lewis yet, but I'm sure it'll be with Lewis. We love to eulogize things (laughs) and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll do that. But for now, thanks for tuning in tough game. But a great season. And I'll be talking about how great that season, this season was. Yeah, with Lewis whenever we find time. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.